Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded and expects to hit 6 million listens by the end of July 2023. We're celebrating this success by recognizing those who have shared the journey with us and giving them the opportunity to contribute to the ongoing success of the shows. By buying a paper copy of the Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a donation to help the ongoing running costs, members of the international Italian wine community will be given the chance to nominate future guests and even enter a prize draw to have lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. To find out more, visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Mike Osborne to the Italian Wine Podcast. Mike is the founder and EVP of Wine.com. He's been a pioneer in online wine retailing since founding Wine.com as a vineyard in 1998. Mike leads the company's efforts in merchandising its wine and gifts and holds key wine industry relationships worldwide. We're so excited to have you here today, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Juliana. Of course, absolutely. So before we dive into today's discussion about e-commerce in the U.S. market, Mike, tell us a little bit more about how you took your background in software and technology, even founded a software company in high school, pretty impressive, and transformed that into the career you have today in the wine industry and with wine.com. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I liked computers when I was young, <laughs> a bit of a hobbyist, um, and I had a chance um, to uh, to learn programming and software at an early age when it wasn't being taught in, uh, in necessarily in schools yet even. So anyway, I <laughs> spent uh, the first 10 years uh, of, you know, in my working life in software and systems, and that gave me an opportunity to have a wine habit or a hobby in wine, just the same. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, it was in late the 1990s and specifically in 98 when we started um, a business, we called it eVineyard at first before we could, uh, acquired the wine.com moniker later on. Uh, but eVineyard started as, you know, basically a force at, at putting some e-commerce software at work in an industry that I felt really needed a database on top of it. As a young consumer looking at the, you know, the the shelf of wine, the wall of wine, it's frequently called, it was discouraging because there was only so much information a producer could, you know, could put on their front or even their back label for that matter. And yet this industry and our, our category is so cool because it has, you know, geography, it has place, it has people, people who make it. There's all the objective things like, you know, the grapes that are in it, you know, the vintage it was born in, you know, it was, it was uh, produced in. And, uh, you know, all of that objective information I always thought needed to be exposed. There's the subjective. You might like a wine that I don't like and vice versa and probably do. But. I always thought that subjective part was far less important than just getting information and, and, and distilling it down for a customer to look for it. Right. And that's what a database does. And, uh, and that's what e-commerce stood for early on, not just um, obviously an informational site about wine, but we also squarely wanted to be the retailer. We wanted to own that customer relationship 
and the um, distribution of it, because you know that's not simple in the U.S. And not. as a result, you know, kind of, it's, it, you know, it's a little bit of equal parts technology, merchandising, and um, operations. You know, being able to get that order to to a consumer. But really, it sounds like you identified a problem in the way that wine was being presented in, in brick and mortar retail in terms of the information that was able to be shared, as you said, on a bottle, not being able to convey the full story of that bottle and really share all the incredible stories behind that wine. And, and at the same time, identifying a solution in the sense of an online database. Yeah, you know, if you were to go, if I were to walk into a wine store 25 years ago, or, you know, I could even say tomorrow, <laughs> and you stand at the front desk and you say, hey, bring me every wine, every bottle of wine under $25 uh, from the Grape Grenache that James Suckling rated 92 points or higher. It, you know, you if, if you, you might be asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, but if you could have that sort... You know, you would find your way to Cannonau from Sardinia. You would find your way to Garnacha from various regions of Spain. You would find some McLaren Vale Garnache and probably some from the central coast of California. The, the cool thing is that it can break down the you know, intimidation of the industry. And, and of course, it's, I'm not saying I want to dumb anything down. I'd love consumers to know that Cannonau is the Sardinian you know, Garnache. And if you like Grenache, you, you might try this, right? right? So the idea of helping someone discover wine in just that, and we, we always refer to it, the company as, you know, a plus one. Just take your knowledge, add one more step to it, one more opportunity to, you know, to peel the onion on this complicated category, and you'll learn something new. And, you know, nobody needs just another wine merchant. Right. But you do need somebody who in, in, in outposts like ours that that has the entire the breadth of a category. Right. Absolutely. And has all the information categorized, like you said, in database format to give consumers what they're looking for. So, Mike, you know, in this in this episode, obviously, e-commerce has evolved quite a bit since you started Wine.com in the late 90s. So. We are really excited to learn from you today a few things. And what we're going to focus on for today's masterclass are number one, how has wine e-commerce evolved over the last 25 years? Number two, what are some of the key trends today in e-commerce for Italian wine specifically? And then number three, how can wineries maximize their profile and their presence on wine.com in order to share those stories and, and give that information to the consumer? So um, just to dive right in, you know, let's talk about what's changed in the last two and a half decades since you've been at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, obviously, clearly quite a lot has in terms of consumer adoption. Um, you know, I'm, I might start with saying that, you know, when we were launching the company, we had these ambitions of selling, you know, 2,500 different wines. Uh, to, today, our customers in New York and California, our two largest um, centers that we that we distribute out of, those customers in serviced markets out of those two states get more than fifteen thousand wow. wines available to them, and spirits alike. But um, you know, maybe a couple thousand spirits. But wine business, fifteen thousand at a time. Some of our smaller states where we operate, and I don't want to get necessarily on a regulatory uh, rabbit hole here, but we do have warehouses also in Boston. We also have them in Houston, Texas, Columbus, Ohio, in New Jersey, and uh, and so six total. But in our smaller states, 
we can't have 15,000 wines on the shelf because they, they just don't have enough consumers in those right. states where we service locally. But the two big ones, New York, California, which service primarily, you know, the eastern U.S. and, and uh, the western U.S. respectively, that assortment is not 2,500. Yeah. <laughs> it, it couldn't have been. What was happening is we found as we grew the choices, we grew the business. And it's in in in. It was fascinating because some people would say, well, you know, if you offer too many, it becomes the paradox of choice versus the, you know, long tail business that we were after. The more interesting is that the paradox of choice, if you are given tools to help filter and sort, sort of like I described earlier, you know, Grenache, $25 rated under, you know, available to me, these kind of sorts help filter down the list to a, a few number that you might want to com- consider. And um, what we've been able to do that we couldn't do in 1998 is, is actually staff the website with live psalms that can answer questions for mm. you. So it's a combination of, and these are real people. This is now I, I realize yeah. that <laughs> there's AI on its way and there could be, uh, you know, wine GBT <laughs> coming soon. Uh, but but it, it is rather, this is, this is wine experts. Um, they're well and above. We've, we've got a customer service team too, which is there to help with customer orders and, and expediting um, you know, shipments and the like. But this is a specialized team who are available most hours of the day and are, and are able to answer questions for consumers. So that's kind of, that's our answer to, well, to the, to the steward in a wine store or the psalm at a restaurant, but to help provide additional guidance and get you on your way. But that um, the selection idea is, is one of just covering the world. What I found interesting as a consumer was if, if I were to step into a wine shop and go looking for their, you know, selection of wine from, you know, from Sicily or Sardinia or the Veneto, it would be rather small, right. if at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and then you might ask, like, where, you know, where do your wines from Sicily? And the answer frequently was, well, we customers, you know, don't buy wine from mm-hmm. Sicily here. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell why it's self-fulfilling. There's right. no wine on the shelf. So, you know, our, uh, I, I'd said a little bit about our selection of wines in general, but Italian wines, um, we, you know, we've got 2,000 2,500 actually um, you know, available in New York and California just from Italy oh, wow. alone. And there are plenty of wine stores that don't have 2,500 wines, period. Of you know, and and you know, you're lucky for a grocer in the U.S. to have 500, 600 different wines. There's 2,500 from Italy. And then that means if you, if you add a little vintage specificity to it, which we do, we have everything we sell is a vintage wine. If you go back and look over a course of a year, there's more than 7,000 unique wines from Italy this past year. Just in one year being sold. Being sold in the past year from about, um, you know, we've got a thousand, I looked it up earlier for you, uh, Juliana, a thousand and seventy three different producers, different brands. Um, So it's it's massive. And we've done this not just in Italy alone, but we're talking Italian today. But, uh, you know, for the world, it helps for customers to have access and that's our that's we feel that very strongly. Um, I, I know that the industry has terminology like skew rationalization, you know, sell only the most popular. Well, that's a real boring business, I think. Right. I agree, because the wine is wine is not like selling toothpaste. And right. That might be the case in other categories that a few brands dominate. But we're in an industry with so much more rich diversity uh, and access and and 
and producers out there in the world, it's so much of it is, like we said, about access to the consumer and getting them in front of these products by using information, by using filters, just like the Grenache and Kananau example. I love that example. I think that's a great way to illustrate what you're doing with wine.com. And talk to us a little bit, you know, within Italian wine and, and all those SKUs you mentioned that you're, you're selling, what are some of the categories that you've seen trending um, in recent years? What's involved within the Italian wine category uh, at wine.com? I was I was looking to glean some of that out. First, first let me I'll just step back one moment and just let you know that the complexion of wines between you know sort of a, the share between red, white, um, you know, and bubbly, if, let's call it <laughs> sparkling wine. Um, our our national business is very different than a lot of the U.S. retailers in that we've been heavily customers buy a lot more red wine from Wine.com overall, and then with Italy. Um, and I'll, I'll use units as opposed to revenue because it's even more stark when it comes when you start looking at revenue um, when it comes to r- red wines, as you can imagine, collectible wines from you know Brunello and Piedmonte and <laughs> Barbaresco and the like can be more expensive. But just in units alone, uh, 56% of our business is red wine, 24% is white, and 18% are sparkling, with a couple left in the share between rosé and and some you know, dessert wines. Um, but that largely red wine, then can, that kind of leads you down the path to know that, yeah, you know, Tuscany matters, Piedmont matters, Ventoneto matters. Um, uh, and and um, it's hard because of, I think it's the maturity of the business and our customers. It's harder on a year over year basis to look at, at many trends because some of them take, you know, build up over time and. Um, and even our right. uh, even our, our sparkling number from from Italy at eighteen percent does go to show you over the years you know our customers have adopted you know sparkling wine from you know Trento Doc and Prosecco you know alike so th- that's in- important because it's nearly as important as as white wine alone and uh, um, but in the past year I did see one interesting thing is that Tuscany and then more specifically Sangiovese you know lost share to Piedmont. And uh, we were down in the, in the trailing 12 months, we're down about three and a half percent from Tuscany, but Piedmont picked up 2% of those units. Huh. And, um, and then that if you, you, you can kind of peel the onion back and see the same holds true with the variety itself of grapes. So, you know, Sangiovese losing to uh, some Nebbiolo. And, um, and that was interesting because I, you know, I don't think I've, you, know, you I, I haven't seen that, fair, you know, if I didn't stop and kind of look what the trend look like today in that that's one of right. them. I, I don't think it's alarming at all. I think it's probably has a lot to do with, you know, opportunities for consumers to discover. You know, I know there's probably more for everyone to discover about Tuscany, but we have a lot of consumers who love light bodied, um, you know, food friendly wines. And and I personally would, you know, uh, probably tip my hat to Piedmont for uh, for that purpose, and maybe even the recognition that that region has gotten, you know, within restaurants um, throughout the country too. Right, absolutely, and also maybe that speaks to the premiumization trend we've been seeing of consumers spending more on average per bottle. Right? Can you remind us, you know, and share with the listeners is the average bottle price on Wine.com? Yeah, you know, for I'll do. I'll give you the Italian number even. Um, the the in calendar year ending in July of twenty two, it was twenty seven dollars and eighteen cents a bottle. Calendar ending this past month, so July of twenty three, it's up to twenty seven 
dollars and thirty eight cents. So up, it's gained twenty cents okay. per bottle um, on a really large base of of, uh, of, of bottles. So um, that's that's very good to see, um, and that's that's all in obviously red wine, uh, you know, higher ASP than uh, than than whites, uh, but. T- you know, the national average, um, depends on the numbers you, you see, but, you know, 10 to $12 is pretty typical. I think Nielsen says in a 750 milliliter bottle, it's around, um, you know, it's in the 10 $11 range and some retailers higher. But having it three times the national average does go to show you that it, it is a premium customer right. at wine.com. And they are buying, um, you know, the, they're buying wines from the, you know, best growing regions of the world. Right. They're a more advanced consumer for sure. That's that's shopping online. And, you know, we, we saw e-commerce change quite a bit in the pandemic, right? And it boomed. Um, and then it, you know, it came down a little bit as well. And, and things have gone back to quote unquote normal, I guess we can say here in the summer of, of 2023. But talk to us, Mike, a little bit about some of the changes you saw at wine.com during the pandemic. And what changes have have lasted through to today, and what were what were more short term changes that maybe have not lasted um, post pandemic? Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. You're, you're you're bringing back <laughs> the, the, dreaded, the dreaded pandemic. Uh, you know, uh, you know clearly, uh, e-commerce. Um, you know, had a boom. You said it. Um, we were prepared for this in part because um, our call center uh, was already remote in in home office. All of our systems and software, our employees could c- continue during their do, doing their job. Now our operations team needed to be in a warehouse. So we added shifts of workers. We added a lot of uh, temporary, you know, part-time personnel during the pandemic, much like we do at the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And and remember that was this was just the, you know, mid-March of 2020 when that nightmare <laughs> happened to and but we were just coming off of the, you know, the holiday season. So the operations team took the holiday playbook right out and began to execute on right. it, and um, and and so we were prepared, okay. But nobody is prepared to have their business double, or in our case, more than double in size, right? And that was that was very trying. On, uh, I mean, again, be respectful of industries that really had it uh, at, at at hand. But our our role here was just to satisfy, you know, this insatiable demand for wine at home and, uh, and we did it and our team stepped up and uh, it was, it was quite the year. Now, if I could just remove the virus from our comparisons and growth and we started doing that, you know, six months ago when we looked at comparing, you know, what did the business look like in 2019 mm-hmm. compared to 2022? And that means, you know, just let's pretend that 2020 and 21 didn't happen. Gladly. <laughs> Go with me, Juliana. Yeah. Uh, so so it's, it's interesting. So Italian wine at wine.com grew 53%. Now our own business grew 59 So it was, you know, it, I would just say in general, Italy stayed stayed up with our growth as well. It's off of the close. So it gave 53% growth. The industry, the wine industry grew 11.5%. In that same period of time, so uh, reported by Nielsen IQ, 2019 to 2022, 11.5 percent growth. 
53% italianwineatwine.com or 59 overall. So what you can see here is that e-commerce did grow. We pulled consumers into right. this new way of buying. And um, and so it, it certainly pulled forward some growth. I wish it didn't have to take a global pandemic to do of that. Course. We were sort of perfectly fine you know, working on a on a you know a growth rate that was you know measured in the low teens you know you know mid to low teens for as as a as a growth rate for years and years um, and that was something we knew well but growing and then detracting uh, you know retracting a bit uh, was was hard on 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 every but every industry and and um, you know wine.com is no different right we are glad that again we left the pandemic with a lot more members to our stewardship program, consumers who had had discovered wine.com. And that consumer base, those are the ones that are sticky today. They're the ones who have found a new way, discovered a new way to buy wine mm-hmm. and to buy a whole lot of different wine. Right. And, and that, that um, again, kind of shows you that in the respect of the number of different SKUs being offered in every region, including Italy, and how that's how that's grown with them, and also some of the growth you're seeing, like you you referenced earlier, just in terms of the Italian category, it's, it's telling us what kind of consumer has stayed engaged with Wine.com. So I think you know what I'm I'm hearing, Mike, is that we saw overall growth in e-commerce, of course, past the pandemic. Uh, it did change a lot of consumer behavior into to getting more used to buying wine wine online. But what we're seeing stick around long term, it's the more highly engaged consumer still. That is most engaged with with e-commerce. That's seems to be what you're saying. Yeah, right? and, and and also the age demographics. And we didn't talk about that, but the component of of age really does matter. Now, um, you know, every you know, consumers, young and old, have computers today <laughs> and have smartphones. So it's it's not that mouse dexterity becomes the uh, the tripping point here, uh, but it does bode that consumers who are attracted to Wine.com and perhaps to all of this global information about wine and content are younger than, you know, younger consumers than a lot of the industry sees. So let me share the Italian numbers. Um, our uh, millennial and younger consumer last year represented 26% of our customers who bought Italian wine. And Gen X, which is this narrow band of, of consumers, I think born, I might get this wrong here, but Gen X from you know, 1964 or 65 through to... Um, uh, to 19 early 80s, yeah, okay. that sounds right. So that range is is 38% of our base. 38% are 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 those customers, and they're in their, you know, um, 40, you know, 40s and in you know, into mid 50s this year. Boomers, those born, you know, after uh, 1946 through the uh, the Gen X, then was is 32% of our okay. business, and those older, from the age of my mm-hmm. parents, <laughs> are are 4% of our uh, of our customers. So boomers, you know, matter, don't get me wrong, but I think they, they show up more in a lot of stats about the wine industry than Gen X and millennials. And to have a quarter of our business, these customers already buying, young consumers buying Italian wine is exciting because if you just measure the lifetime value, they've got a lot more lifetime ahead of them. Yes, right. And they also, you would imagine they're going to continually, hopefully continue to trade up, continue to explore. I think we've talked a lot about this demographic, not being as brand loyal, but perhaps more exploratory in terms of trying different regions and trying different varietals as well. So a lot of opportunity there uh, for, for a lot of different wineries. 
I agree. And I, I wouldn't say, I don't think anything's wrong with being loyal to Prosecco or being loyal to Barbaresco. That, that is a brand, if you will. You know, in, in, at, at some level, the idea that, sure, they might not just always want to drink the same Prosecco every night. They don't have to. And why not? Um, you know, I think in, in regions of Italy, and uh, it's certainly true in other parts of Europe as well, but some of the, the, the DOCs then are brands alone and, and help somebody kind of onboard to another, another wine. They, they might pick up the back label and learn the grape. They're going to read about it on wine.com, we hope. And we do source out, you know, figure out what the grape is and where it is grown. Even if you don't put it on the front label, we're going to tell you. But that is not to dumb it down, but to help you discover another, you know, another opportunity to, to, to enjoy the, the product. And, and um, you know, wherever possible, I, you know, something else when it comes to just things we couldn't do 25 years ago was we have doubled down on maps mm. at wine.com. And the cool thing here is for years and years, if a winery could tell us, you know, where they're located, we allowed them to, you know, we geocoded the location and then open up another little browser window and drop you off onto Google Maps so you can see. I, I did this and because we we really wanted to show the difference between wine made by real people in a real place mm -hmm. versus those that might be made at a negotiant winery or or even private label, which we sell not. Everything we sell are made by uh, wineries and authentic wineries. So no private label. That just helps me distinguish between those companies who do have, <laughs> you know, made up fictitious brands and such. So, okay, that's dropping them off. But recently, and it's not launched site-wide today, but you can get to okay. it, is the map view. So I uh, I would encourage our listeners here to, you know, check out as they, as they go to drop off onto the region of Italy, click the, you can see list view, which is just all the Italian wines. It's 2,500 I mentioned, but you can click map view and we open up a map live in a big part of the site, especially visible on a on laptop over a mobile device, but they both work. But it gives you a chance to really then drill in to these regions, and especially if the regions have sub-regions, obviously, you know, Chianti within Tuscany and Chianti Classico within Chianti within Tuscany. So this concentric circles is a way to help consumers learn. Mm. And um, and it this is powerful and we're we're thrilled about this but this is again leveraging information that we already know about the brands about the wines we're selling and mixing it up now with these dynamic maps that consumers have been used to on you know whether they're looking for a restaurant reservation on open table or a hotel you expect to find the map and yeah, I, I think we're the first to do this with e-commerce and wine and it's 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 a real thrill this is a new feature this year and uh the adoption is huge. That's amazing. And I think especially for Italy, that's a huge opportunity, right? I think I heard a stat that this summer, 81% of Americans that are traveling are traveling in Europe. So we know that Americans are uh, flooding the streets right now in Rome and throughout Italy and other parts of Europe. But for all those people coming back from their summer vacations who fell in love with Tuscany or maybe fell in love with Sicily, we know that was a popular region this summer. Uh, you know, now they can shop by the places they travel to and connect the wine to their experiences. I've always hear friends saying, "Oh, I just got back from from Italy. I love the wines there. I want to find the wines I drank." You know, and I think this map feature seems like a great way uh, for consumers to do just that. So that's really exciting, Mike, and I can't wait to check that out. 
Um, so, you know, I want to ask before we wind down a little bit more about what our listeners, wineries specifically, can do to maximize their presence on wine.com uh, in terms of the information they can share. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. You know, I maybe and I might even start with um, the, the wineries who we don't represent today, and they might wonder how they can get listed on wine.com or in our in our catalog, if you will. Uh, and and it, it, that does start with having a, a, you know, a U.S. importer to bring your wines in. As retailers in all these states, we actually are not importers of wine. We, are, we, we source from importers and their wholesalers. So for a wine to, to, to really be you know, seen by consumers in, in for us to list it, um, the winery needs to have distribution. I always like to have them both in New York and California okay, market. Okay, good to know. And then, you know, optionally, they could have distribution, and we would add them the wines if they had them in, you know, in in, in Massachusetts or Ohio, New Jersey, and uh, in Texas alike. But the real, you know, the sticking point would be, you know, having distribution in the two largest states in the country. That reaches, you know little more than three quarters of our customers, those two states alone. Oh, wow. So that's the first thing. And that, that, that is distribution. And it's, you know, the basic blocking and tackling that you have to do to get to any retail account. And there are no shortcuts at wine.com to make that happen. It has to be, uh, has to be available and sold for us to order and reorder every, every day. Um, on, in terms of separating oneself from another, you know, what makes your Chianti stand out from it, from your neighbor, um, auditing the content on the wineries. Uh, we, we have what we call the wineries homepage. Okay. That's where we included, you know, description of the property. We more importantly than that, or more popular, I should say than that is a carousel of images or videos, even not, you know, nobody's going to watch a documentary on your property. I mean, you might. <laughs> but, uh, so we're thinking about these are little clips, you know, three to four minute videos are, are, are perfect, even less if, if, if possible. Videos, photographs with captions. We don't just need to have someone standing in the tasting room or the right. cellar door, but rather tell us that was the winemaker or the proprietor. And uh, it, so the carousel of images is is really important. I mentioned geocoding. Again, if the winery is open to the public, we encourage them to tell us what that location is. Make sure we can jump off with Google Earth to, to, to see it. Very cool. Um, that information is at the brand level. And then at the product level, the item or wine label, if you will, um, you know, we are constantly aggregating content. You know, so the winemaker note, you know, the attributes about the wine, whether it's, you know, certified green or organic or um, whether it is, you know, finished in a screw cap or not, uh, different attributes about the wine, right? Uh, and then popular press, you know, we it matters to consumers. We, we do allow customers to rate their own wine on a 10-point scale or five stars that we show, but we give, you know, half stars in between. So <laughs> the 10-point star scale is alive and well at wine.com. That's for consumer ratings. But professional reviewers, publications like the Wine Enthusiast and Wine Spectator, you know, James Suckling, um, Venice and, and others, you know, we, we have a whole, um, you know, slew of journalists who who follow the industry. We love citing their press as well, because that helps the consumer, right. you know, make a distinction. Um, and uh, and so that that content, I call it, that needs to be audited and looked at. We mm -hmm. we do count on our importers and in, in wholesalers and brands to provide it to us oftentimes or we ask for it if we think there's something you know, that's, that's, you know, errantly missing, 
but proactively our suppliers send emails and, and can correct even there could be an error right it correct an appellation or um, you know, a, a variety uh, that, of grape or something. If we get something wrong, we encourage them to reach out to us in email. Um, and we have an email box that's simply called content at wine.com that it helps that purpose okay. of, of, of filling in Great. the gaps. Yeah, for your listeners. That- that's fantastic. I can't tell you how often, you know, we get inquiries uh, about, you know, information being wrong online and not and suppliers not knowing where to go to fix it. So that content, you said content at wine.com, Mike, just repeating that for our listeners. Yeah. And, and in also, if there are brands that we're missing or, um, or there's questions about just the trade practices at wine.com and how to get their wine in our assortment, I should also share that that the team responds to an email box called trade at wine.com. And that is our trade email manned by many people, as opposed to just giving you my email address or <laughs> merchants on top of the Italian category. But just the idea of some, you know, Q&A can be answered. Um, trade at wine.com is the other very helpful email address. Oh, fantastic. Okay, great. I feel like everyone should have their their email contacts open and be adding those two emails to their <laughs> list. So perfect. Thank you, Mike. Well, we end every episode with our little rapid fire quiz in order to hammer home our key takeaways from today's episode. And Mike, you shared so much incredible information for our listeners. So if you can do your best to answer these questions in just a couple of sentences, uh, that would be fantastic. So question number one, what are some of the main ways that e-commerce and wine has changed over the last 25 years? Juliana, I'd be remiss if I didn't say mobile. And I'd missed it earlier and when we talked, we had a little conversation about it. But clearly, the big change is mobile. It's the, 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 the iPhone or, or, or you know, Google devices always with you. It's with you when you have a drink at a restaurant or at a friend's house. And so we, you know, obviously the wine.com website renders well in a, in a mobile environment. But our app is extraordinarily popular. And that is actually more than half of our traffic Amazing. to the wine.com site is the app. And, uh, and it, it, and that's a, that's a wonderful experience. And again, I think it's just, it's appropriate because it's with you. Absolutely. So that, that's probably clearly something we couldn't have fathomed as, you know, as quick as we could, you know, from 98 here. And that's been a recent, uh, you know, trend obviously with mobile taking over the desktop. Okay. Mobile. Fantastic. Question number two, what are some of the key trends you're seeing today? And what's selling in the Italian wine category specifically? Yeah, you know, I it's it's all doing so well. It's hard to nitpick some things. As I mentioned, um, we saw Nebbiolo grow over Sangiovese in the last twelve months. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that's sustainable and uh, and the like. But I wouldn't uh, read too highly into that. Like uh, if I were a producer in either one of those environments, I think consumers, um, you know, are are just buying more breadth. I've also seen like our top. 10 varieties, when I clump them together, are smaller than the top 10 a year ago by about 3%, meaning consumers are buying more long tail. You know, and that can be said probably over regions, just as well as over varieties of grapes. And then finally, how can wineries amplify and build their presence uh, on wine.com, whether they're already there or if they're trying to get onto the website? Yeah, I would encourage them to look at the material currently selling their wine, it should be the most accurate storytelling. And, and I, I like the term amplify because that's our job. We don't want to editorialize about 
the brand message, we want to amplify the brand's message, but to a whole lot more customers. And so the, then, then they could reach, you know, on, on their own. So I think it's, you know, auditing the material, updating us when we're missing a review or maybe the label changed ever so slightly and we have the old label, you know, anything, own it, own your brand content on wine.com and let us know when we've, when we're not as accurate as we should be. That's table stakes for e-commerce. And I know a lot of, you know, we, we get asked, you know, how can we list our wine ahead of our neighbors? Like, let's not worry about that today. Let's <laughs> fix your own right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and continue. Obviously, you know, I, I said it earlier, we don't make any wine ourselves. I don't like private labels. Just you know, producers make beautiful wine, authentic wine made by real people in real places. And Italy stands for that. And all over the country, obviously, from the, the further south to, to the north, it's spectacular. Let's just get that message out. Absolutely. And that email, again, is content at wine.com if you need to correct or add any information to your winery's profile. Correct, Mike? That's correct. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being here today on the Italian Wine Podcast. We really appreciate you sharing all the data about the Italian wine category and also more broadly about what's happening at wine.com. Um, it's really exciting to see all the growth and you're such an incredible leader for our whole industry. So thank you again for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Juliana. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass U.S. Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.